Morning, everyone. We've got a bit, oh, it's not that much. It looks like it's more than it actually is. But if you can open up to Acts 27, verse 12, we'll start there. In the Blue Bibles, if you've got one of them, it is on page 1122. <clears throat> or you can follow along on the screen. Since the harbour was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbour in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. <clears throat> the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Corda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm, the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, who I belong and who I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will, never, it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Jumping over to Acts 28 starting in verse 11. <clears throat> After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, we, the, next day the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Puteoli. There we found brothers, some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they travelled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Just jumping to the end of the chapter in verse 30 now. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Well, good morning again. Do keep the conversation going outside with a cup of coffee and some morning tea. Enjoy some of the artwork in the foyer uh, from the students at Padere as well. Uh, when you meet in the school, sometimes things happen 
and this is one of those things, time when things happen. And uh, it's fine, it's, it's great to see uh, what the school gets up to. Hey, um, any given Saturday morning in the Dahlenberg family, you'll find two things happening. Um, the kids eating cereal, because it's when they get to eat cereal on Saturday morning, and watching cartoons. And usually, after a few rounds of Bluey, um, inevitably, one of the kids will turn to a show called Ninja Warrior. And it's one of those crazy... It's not Logan, by the way. Um, he did have long hair like Logan. But one of those crazy shows where, you know, they jump and climb and got to get to the end as quick as... Whoa, fire, as quick as they can. And um, only the strong make it. Only the elite get through and qualify. And only the fittest can actually achieve Ninja Warrior title in Australia. Uh, it's pretty exciting. You know, I thought about it this week and I, I reckon Christianity invites you into a ninja warrior way of life. It has a sure goal, lots of twists and turns and challenges along the way, except, here's the bit of relief, unlike the show, it's not the strongest, it's not the fittest, it's not the agile, it's not the quickest, it's not the most fanciest that make it to the end. There's not just one person that gets the prize. Christianity is not a faith for a select few prosperous, strong, well-off, well-to-do, happy, wealthy, confident people that have lots of grit. Which means, if you're honest, everyone here, that's a big relief gone. So Paul, in the last part of Acts, in Acts 27 to 28, he is someone on this ninja warrior course of life. But we don't find him, as we have many times, as a bold preacher, like in Acts 17. We find him as a prisoner on a boat, suffering in a chaotic storm for two weeks, shipwrecked for three months. And we didn't read it, but if you keep doing that narrative, you'll find he gets bitten by one poisonous snake. All before finally arriving at his God-given destination, which in 2311 has said, you will get to Rome, and he gets there. But did you hear what happened when he got there? Two years of being under house arrest, chained to a Roman guard. And then we know, five years after this, he travelled again and then went back to Rome and got executed. And all of that is exactly how Paul made it to the end of the Ninja Warrior course that God had set him on. You see, his ability and our ability to navigate trials and challenges, it comes from his and our belief in the unstoppable God whom he and we belong to and serve, as he says in 27:23, the God I belong to and serve. You know, which means Christianity is not exempt from trials and chaos. And today you might be here and you've made it through the front door of church and that's just a big enough challenge sometimes. So thank you and welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But you might think back to your week and as we read Acts 27 verse 20, you heard these words, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved and you might be in that exact situation. You have given up all hope of being saved. And the question is, does Christianity, does faith in this God make a difference when you face those things? Maybe you're wondering that. But maybe you are a Christian here. And if you are, there's another layer, another question on top of that that you would surely, surely and certainly ask at times. It says, what is God up to? 
you might be thinking, with all that's happened in my week, maybe this is the first time, maybe I'm going to be the test case scenario of God actually giving up with a compelling threat and hindrance. Maybe my life will be the first time God says, maybe he's not going to get me through. And maybe you genuinely think and feel like that. Now, wherever you sit, Acts has been showing us for the last two years, on and off we've even gone through it, how the gospel can hold its ground in any soil, in any situation, with any person. But what about the other chaotic things in this world, like nature, and evil forces, and shipwrecks, and snake bites? Can anything stop the gospel? And the resounding answer is, of course, no. God is faithful to himself because mission is his idea and nothing will hinder his plans. Over and over in Nacks, we've seen, as the kids' talk said for the last time, nothing can stop the mission of the risen King Jesus to give us confidence that nothing will stop the mission of the risen King Jesus. And... Nothing will stop God's good agenda he's working in your life either. God is using the trials and the challenges for his glory and our good because the guarantee is that you will make it through this ninja warrior course of life, not because of your muscles or might, but because Jesus will get you through because he is faithful and he is strong. Therefore, today, big idea, keep up your courage. Because God and the gospel are unstoppable. That's it. Keep up your courage. God and the gospel are unstoppable. So let's, let's pick that apart for a bit. Um, Acts 27. A storm, a shipwreck, and a snake bite. Let's look at that. When we come to the start of Acts 27, there is 44 verses. And it's a very long, detailed story about a storm and a shipwreck. And... And really, the weight that Luke, who wrote this, spends to these 44 verses, it, it does seem a bit odd. Why would you spend so much time on this one moment when often you brush past years with just a single verse? Well, in the flow of Acts, there's two things it does to help us marvel at God on, on two, in two ways. First of all, remember, God is going to get Paul to Rome safely even when there's not a straightforward journey in life. Paul's guarantee, way back in Acts 23.11, as I said, is that God said, I will get you to Rome. And Paul said, okay, let's just figure, see how that works. And this is an example of how God gets him there. It's not a straightforward journey. And Paul is not immune from trials or chaos along the way. A few years before this, he wrote to the Roman Christians whom he goes, gets to visit. And he says these famous words, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Secondly, we see how God is providentially at work in all of this too. Circumstance after circumstance seemed calculated to make sure that getting to Rome is impossible. Because Jesus promised it, it will happen. And it all begins when the, Rome, the captain of this ship decided to press on uh, wanting to get there quickly through the winter. He didn't want to stay in a safe harbour. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted the um, journey to go quick. They'd already hit some rough weather, and he decided, mm, let's not stay here and play it safe. The wind looks good for today. Let's just, boop, let's just 
put a propeller down or whatever they do. They don't propellers, but the sail's up. There you go. And off we go. And they did that. And then all of a sudden, in verse 14, they hit a terrible northeaster, which is a hurricane. They named storms back then too, like we do today, right? That's how bad it was. And they're at the mercy of the elements. And that's a dreadful thing to be in. And we know that in Australia, don't we, with fires and floods or living in fire, most of our council area is just bordered by bush. We know that the terribleness of, of the, being the mercy of elements. And so they try to manoeuvre in the narrative all over the place, but with no options left, they give up in verse 15. Just let the, let the boat be tossed along in the storm, right? Food and supplies are almost gone. Good weather is a distant memory. Positive attitudes and hopes have dwindled over the many days. The crew is in utter despair. And in verse 20, they finally give up all hope of being saved. Interestingly, the narrative says we, and Luke is writing at that point, he's on board. There's there's three Christians, Paul, Luke, and um, Archippus at this point. And Luke says, yeah, I gave up hope too. It was pretty bad. Not only is it a dreadful situation, remember, in the biblical story, the sea is often an image of scary, frightening, chaotic places of evil. The sea often comes up as a picture of opposition to God. The sea is not a nice, kind place sometimes. It's opposition here directed at God's apostle Paul on God's agenda. Everything's not for Paul and God's mission. And then in this darkest moment, God steps in, giving encouragement and hope to Paul that he's still got it under control. Paul received a vision, the assurance that God's plan can't be stopped by a storm and that by his grace, they will get out of it alive even if the boat won't. Now remember in Acts, in the last five weeks we've seen this again and again, that in moments for Paul in a crisis for him, divine visions and messengers have always sustained him at the right time. And today, we have God's written word, God's voice to us doing all that heavy lifting, giving us encouragement in the trials of life that we can lean into. At any time of day or night, and once assured of God's presence, Paul passes his confidence on to all 276 people on board, right? Paul doesn't keep it for himself. Twice, he says, keep up your courage in verse 22 and 25. Keep up your courage. And he says this. No, he's not urging him to look to the ship. Keep your courage up. The ship will make it. We've got food. I found some. The lifeboats are really good. Um, have courage deep in your heart because it, look to nature. It'll be fine. Have confidence in this situation. He, that's not the place of courage he wants to draw them to. He's urging courage from the confidence that God is at work and will rescue you by grace. You see, the thing is, Paul believed in God. Big takeaway from the book of Acts. Paul believes in this God. His faith is not resting in a wooden ship or the clear skies, but in the Jesus who died on a wooden cross who did face total darkness when all creation and God turned away from him. And because Jesus endured the darkest moment of sin and death for Paul to give him the light of the knowledge of salvation, God will encourage Paul, giving him the confidence in these chaotic times 
See, faith is not a stop button to distress. A famous theologian by the name of Karl Barth once said, faith means holding to the word and promises of God in spite of all that stands against us. In spite of all that stands against us. Here's a point from Acts 27 I want you to see. In the midst of crisis, God's word sustains God's people. Notice how he words his confidence in verse 23. The God whom I belong to and serve. Paul's here because he serves God. That's one of the hardest challenges we face as Christians. You may be confident in Jesus. You may be sure, God, this is where you want me to be. You might be just plodding along faithfully like Paul does, but suddenly chaos and trials appear out of nowhere and it can really knock us around. Or maybe you imagine somewhere in your thinking that your service to God, like Paul's serving, is somehow excludes me from really big challenges in life. But Paul's ordeal, Paul's, Paul's situation, he challenges those comfortable and false ideas. Listen to verse 24. You must stand trial before Caesar, God says. In the crisis, God's will had not changed for Paul. Just because the boat was blown off course does not mean God's will was blown off course. You see, it's so tempting to reassess previous convictions when life changes. And yes, there's wisdom to that. But be careful not to assume God has changed because the circumstances have. Moreover, Acts 27 also challenges the idea that we should have more faith and, or give up even. Remember in the flow of Acts, here, here two times God directly spoke to Paul in other parts. In, in, just after he got saved, Paul was opposing Jesus for a time. In verse, chapter, chapter 9, verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name, God says to Paul. Direct voice of God telling him you're going to have to suffer. Or in 20 verse 23, I know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me prison and hardships will come. Or Paul himself says in verse 14 when he's encouraging the believers, we must go through many hardships to enter, enter the kingdom of God. Narratives like that clue us in to something really important. God's agenda. And sometimes we'll know the specifics in this life. But more often we won't. But we know the big picture, we know where it's heading and we can trust God because we have that story. In all of our unknown, I can be reminded that God is up to something. And remember the words of Jesus too, who said, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. For you. Jesus guarantees trouble, but peace in the midst of it. And because of Paul's Christian hope, back to Acts 27, he becomes the source of encouragement and hope to those on board. He tells them his living, faithful God, Lord of all, is aware of them and their condition and he'll organize their salvation. In verse 26, we must run aground on some island. You'll be all okay. Their salvation will not look like what they expect, but it will happen as God says. And that's how God always works. Our salvation comes from the most unlikely of places, a dark, gnarly wooden cross. 
but it is exactly the plan and purpose of God. And because God is good in his word, in Acts 27 verse 44, you have this wonderful verse which makes you smile. In this way, everyone reached land safely. And after three months of the island and a few snake bites and and, um, meeting some new folks, we pick up the story in Acts 28 and Paul hops on a boat sailing off to Rome. You know, there was a show many years ago called Lost. Has anyone seen Lost? Yes. It's terrible, don't watch it, because you get lost watching it. But it began, I realised it began, it was the first show to do flashbacks. And the, first, the show starts, and everyone, it is flashbacks to the characters before that moment in time, right? It happens all the time in shows, but they really played on that a lot. You're wondering, how does it work? And they meet each other. Then halfway through the show, do you know what they started doing? Flash forwards. And so you're like, oh, they get off the island because they're stuck on an island and they're flashing forward to life afterwards and you see them and you wonder what's going to happen and it's this emotional roller coaster of a show that's really bad because it's so confusing. But the point I'm getting at is you see where it's heading, right? And you wonder, well, I know they're going to get off the island but I don't know how. And in a way, that's Paul. We know Paul is going to make it. And when you read 28 verse 14, the whole story comes together. Um, and so we came to Rome. Like that's, Ever since chapter 9, that's really been a big goal in Paul's life. Probably 25 years or so of his life, God's been just slowly chipping away at that. And three years earlier, as I just mentioned Romans before, uh, three years earlier, Paul wrote a letter to the Roman Christians. And when they heard that Paul was here, they came out to meet him from all over the place. And at the sight of these people, Paul thanked God in verse 15 and, and, and was encouraged. Imagine the, the emotional relief and response to finally get to see the people you've written to. After all these years of traveling, you finally get there and see them. And Paul said before he got there in Romans 1, I long to see that, my, that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong, that we be encouraged by each other's faith. And that actually happened in, in Acts 28. However, Paul is still a prisoner. And he must now wait for the Roman authorities to call him before Caesar. And so for two years, at the very end of Acts, as it tells us, Paul lived in his own rented house, chained to a Roman guard. But he was able to welcome all who came to see him as he boldly proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus without hindrance. Without hindrance does not mean the guards left Paul, it just means there was no issue with him speaking. Paul would once reflect on this many years later before, when he gets back to Rome again, before he's almost executed, that God's word cannot be chained, even if God's people are. And then for two years, just consider that from this place of house arrest, the gospel actually expanded more than what you'd ever imagine it to do. From this spot, being chained to the guard, Paul wrote at least three letters to churches we have today to encourage them, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philippians. We know that at this time, a runaway slave called Onesimus was converted by Paul's preaching. This slave just so happened to be belonged to a friend of Paul called Philemon, whom Paul wrote a letter to saying, you should welcome him back because he's now a believer. Moreover, Paul was able to convert the guards chained to him throughout his days, who then went into Caesar's own upper echelons of the palace guard, and they converted more Roman soldiers and guards to in Caesar's own court. 
And in fact, before Nero, the emperor, was busy killing Christians, he would have heard about Paul and about Jesus. You see, it looked like a storm and a shipwreck and house arrest had, were chaotic barriers to the expansion of the gospel. But actually, that was God's way of growing Paul and getting the gospel out. They're the very things he's using to advance his mission. Therefore, Acts 28 is the encouragement that God can be taken at his word. Consider, God told Paul he'd reach Rome and preach Jesus, and he did. God had told Paul no lives would be lost on the ship. None were. God encouraged Paul with his word along the way, and he did. God's word can be trusted because God can be trusted. God is faithful to his purpose, plans, promises, and people. And it may look like there is chaos all around and your best laid plans may come crashing and falling down. You might be stuck on a metaphorical or existential island in the middle of nowhere. But the lesson is that even in less than ideal times, the gospel is unhindered, our faith is unhindered, our belief is sure, God's word will sustain his people to bring calm, perspective, courage, not just to you, but to those around you. Many years ago, when um, our third daughter was, third child, not third daughter, third child, was born, um, we had lots and lots of doctor appointments. And um, in God's kindness, um, uh, the, 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 Tasha kept going to the appointments and she met a couple with the same issues with their daughter as we did. And for a year, every time Natasha made an appointment with the specialist, the other couple had the appointment before or after. And if you ever tried to make an appointment with specialists and get the same people in the waiting room, it just doesn't happen because of how life and everything works. But for some wonderful reason, God had put the same couple with their child, same issues as Emily had, has with Natasha. So every time Natasha went in, she saw this couple. And they got talking. And this couple, not a Christian couple, and they said to Natasha many times, well, you're calm in all this. You know, well, all that's going on. And Tasha was able to share her hope in Jesus, that he brings peace. And she was able to say, I can pray for you if you like. And this is two-minute conversations in the waiting room before and after, just you know, six, seven, eight through the year. And then afterwards, when we realized what was happening, they got different appointments. God had taken them away from our little sphere. And that's, that's Paul on the boat, right? In the middle of chaos, the Christian brings calm because they have the calm and peace of God. Keep up your courage because God and the gospel are unstoppable. I'll leave you with a final quote from Pastor John Stott. The acts of the apostles have long finished, but the acts of the followers of Jesus will continue until the end of the world and their words will spread to the ends of the earth. And may God use you in a tiny way to do that. And that is the Acts of the Apostles. Let me pray. Wonderful, kind God, you have reached out to us through the person and work of Jesus to bring us into your unfolding story of redemption and revelation. Because of him, we know where the world is going to and through all the ups and downs in our life, you're working in us, uh, your glory and our good. Would you please... In your name, give us the hope and courage to keep going because of our trust in you. And then give us boldness to share that hope with others without hindrance. 
for your glory. Amen.